Welcome on to Arguing About Food, and it's a good thing that I'm wearing a t-shirt and a baseball cap for this topic because we are going to talk about when it actually is a good idea to spend more money on food. When is it worth it to go for the premium product as opposed to just the normal available product? There are many times when you pay more money for food and you're just disappointed. So we want to make sure that when people are going to shell out for that special occasion that they're really getting what they're paying for. Anything that really you thought about just in this general process of coming up with these before we get started? Well, yeah. Um, first of all, I, I I definitely kind of took it a little bit differently um, in that I was thinking of foods that are already expensive as well. Um, oh, yeah. No, I, I think it, it could be anything. It could be that. It could be, hey, you're going to get like the better bread at the supermarket versus like the normal like Wonder Bread. Like, it could be anything like that. Yeah. Okay. So good. Then we're reasonably on the same page. Um, I definitely didn't want to include any of those like really strange extravagant things like the, the gold flake and, um, Oh, oh, really? That that's how, how is that not worth it to you? It's so good. Tastes amazing. (laughs) Right. And, And, and the nutritional value as well. Don't discount that. I have to believe that there is some nutritional value there, but flavor. Eh. Um, so I, I definitely. I mean, yeah, right. If, like if iron has nutrition, if iron has nutrition, gold must, right? Gold does. I mean, all metals do, really. Like mercury, sure. I'd just have, have any metal. <laughs> no problem. Uh, yeah, the nutritional value of mercury, way up there for me. I try to eat as much mercury as possible. Um, um, I mean, I will tell you, as someone who has had canned tuna at least twice a week, probably for my entire lifetime my brain is still working i can assure you of that some of my nba listeners may not agree but i think it is (laughs) well i just didn't want to include any of those just over the top showboat things that are kind of aesthetics only if you will yeah well i mean you wouldn't include those anyway because they're not worth it (laughs) right that's like that it's it's anathema to the very topic of the show um but yeah there's there's definitely a lot of omissions here uh for just things that um are elevated when you're willing to pay, you know, five times the amount for the same actual ingredient, uh, but at a better quality. And, and I didn't really go for those necessarily. Well, what did you go for? What? Uh, give me one of your picks here. Um, I think my number one is, well, it's funny because this is almost exactly the opposite of what I just said, but uh, dry aged beef. Um, now... Yes. You could think of it as just a better version of the other thing, but what I'm trying to say is dry-aged beef is different than just your, you know, regular packaged beef product, Um, and the dry-aging concentrates the flavor in such a way that it is well worth the expenditure for the amount of labor that's gone into it. I mean, that thing's been sitting, you know, in inventory for the last... 36 days or whatever it is and those 36 days have made it a 36 times better piece of uh, meat yeah if i go to a steakhouse it's gonna be the dry aged ribeye if that's on the menu that's what i'm going to get as at least my main steak hell yeah (laughs) so so what i mean can you can you explain why uh i don't know i might get a a supplement we might talk about that a a little bit later but uh so can you explain kind of what tastes better about it like what why it's even though it might be more expensive like why it's better yeah so well with dry aging uh, as it is held at a specific temperature and a specific humidity it's basically losing water content and um you know if you've ever cooked a really nice piece of meat in the first place you should definitely let it sit out and you want to at least 
evaporate the surface liquid because you get a better sear, better Maillard reaction. Um, but with dry aging, it's actually permeating the entirety of the meat. And so the concentration of flavor and therefore the, the, the I don't know, enjoyment is just way higher. Also, uh, you tend to get a better texture too because um, with less water, you actually get more marbling uh, or, or sorry, yep. more rendering of the fat. No, that that sounds fantastic. And I, mean, I think a lot of people are like, oh, wait a minute, like dry. Like, no, I want my meat to be moist, right. but that should come from the fat, not necessarily the moisture content. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, now, the, the, the funny thing about it is, is that the other, well, it's not funny, but the other reason that it is so expensive, it's not just the length of, uh, you know, the aging and, and that space it takes up in a restaurant or a butcher shop, but it is also that loss of moisture. So, you know, when somebody buys that piece of meat, it may weigh five pounds. And by the time they're done dry aging it, it weighs three and a half pounds. And so therefore they have kind of lost product just by, by aging it. Can you think of any awesome dry aged steaks uh, that you've had that you could recommend for people? Ah, um, and there's, there's so many, (laughs) no, I mean, but there are, uh, we've got a couple of restaurants in, in Chicago that I really love, uh, Buff House, which is coming back with, uh, it's actual dining service. It's been operating pretty much as a butcher shop through the pandemic. They have one of the best dry aged ribeyes that exists. Um, I think, uh, we have had, we had a pretty good one in Austin and by pretty good, I mean, actually amazing. Oh yeah. No, that, that was actually maybe the best at uh, Hestia. Yeah. It was maybe the best non-Wagyu beef that I've had. Well, first of all, I think it was Wagyu. Uh, but... Well, American Wagyu. It wasn't oh, yeah, yeah. Japanese. So, second of all, like, what a baller move to just put down a piece of meat with nothing else as the as the final course, you know? Like, no accoutrement, none needed, but, uh, but nothing added, just sliced ribeye amazing yeah that restaurant hestia was fantastic by the way i recommend that to everyone in austin i had maybe like the best pork that i've ever had there yeah. as well um you know non uh beer but just like the best like cooked pork that i've ever had it was really there was a lot there's four or five incredibly memorable things uh, on that meal that we had there so i want to put forth something similar to your dry age steak which is a5 wagyu and yes it is preposterously expensive particularly here in the u.s i haven't had it that many times for that reason in japan it's a little bit more reasonable i I think the place i went in japan was like you know maybe like 120 dollars for a five ounce steak which is still completely ridiculous right i mean that's not something people are going to be having regularly but yeah i was not thinking that it wasn't worth it i mean most things that you spend that much on you're sort of like yeah this is better but is it that much better like this is wagyu is that much better and what it really is to me that's so good about it is the fat distribution throughout the cut is incredible it's it's just it's a different color like if you ever seen the difference between toro and regular tuna it's the same thing but for beef and i would say you definitely want to go if you can get a fattier type of cut go for that uh but really any kind of a5 wagyu if it's the real shit it's going to be good you're going to be wowed by it you're not 
you're not going to be sad that you paid for it, even at the astronomical prices, which I don't know, what what is it here at places like $75 an ounce or you know $50 an ounce or something like that? It, I mean, it definitely range, ranges. It depends on uh, how bad they're trying to, I won't use the Got word, you. but get you. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, you can, you can find it for more like $55 an ounce or so, but yeah. Yeah, at a restaurant, obviously, or if you have a, a local Japanese food store, like you. Can I gotta get ask you, too. just now that we are talking about the A five, does your Costco in uh, California they ha- they have it there or no? I haven't been inside a Costco personally in years. I gotta say, since, since the <laughs> pandemic started, I've been uh, not going to grocery stores personally. <laughs> All right, fair. Um, and also, and I'm frankly, at- also, I just I, I'm not as good of a cook as you are. I would love to buy some A five Wagyu sometime and let you cook it, but I'm not gonna <laughs> potentially butcher it myself. Yeah, metaphorically. Fair. Although you, you you wouldn't, it would be very hard for you to. Uh, eh, yeah, eh, I, it's possible. Well, like, like I never I never want to cook thing, anything. Sorry. Uh, well, I was gonna say the interesting thing about uh, Wagyu or Kobe is that um, it, most people who like a rare steak will not necessarily enjoy this rare. I feel like because um, what you want is a little bit further in the cooking process so that the fat renders a bit and isn't just no. Uh, I, yeah, and you can. Get get like a crispy crust on it a little bit too which is which is really nice yeah i mean if you're yeah straight up rare would be a waste i think you wouldn't get uh, the fat flavor nearly as much so yeah that's a good piece of advice if you normally get a rare steak maybe go for at least what medium rare you think yeah i mean and if it's a a a thick cut because i'll order it medium like if it's a pound let's say a 16 ounce i mean gosh when am i gonna afford that but uh yeah, uh, I would yeah. When, when the hell did you have that and why wasn't i there was gonna, was gonna be my question i've worked in some nice restaurants <laughs> but the thicker the cut you you might want to order it medium because now the center part really is kind of more of a medium rare and and you've got like a gradient going on but so so you agree that it's worth it though yeah uh yeah okay <sighs> Yes, I agree that it's worth it, but is it actually in my budget most of the time? No. You know, like, it's worth the money, but only when I'm feeling flush, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I mean, obviously, like, I wouldn't say more than, more often than maybe, like, once a year would he promote. Yeah, yeah, I think it's worth it. Um, But, yeah, we certainly didn't regret it. Okay, what else is a food where paying a premium is worth the money? Um, really high-end sushi. Uh, and, and that's kind of um, lame to just do a vague statement like that. So I, I would rather say like something like uh, live preparation sushi, where which I've only had a couple times in my life. But where, like, the fish was literally, you know, kept live in a saltwater tank at the restaurant and then freshly filleted for you, it's insane. It's the texture of it and also just the kind of, like, sensory experience of sometimes it still has, you know, some movement going on. It's crazy. And I love it. And Sounds I think it's very well clean <laughs> Oh, I really wish I fully got that reference. I know what Klingons are. They eat a lot of stuff that moves on the show. Oh, okay. But I can't say that I've ever actually specifically done that. I've had some really good sushi, whether in Japan or here, that I've really loved. But I can't say I've gotten to the point of where I actually saw it swimming in the tank not five minutes before. I mean, that's pretty extreme. But overall, I just think the... um, 
you know, the, the floor on sushi could be all you can eat for $20 a person. And I, that actually is not worth it to me but <laughs> because of the risk to my colon. But uh, once you get up into these, just like, I'm going to buy this uh, snapper, this like medai that they have swimming around for $150 and like have them fillet it for me and prepare it in like different ways. That's it's very cool. Um but also even uni like right out of the the shell or whatever you call the spiky uni shell thing um live scallops like all of those i guess uh, maybe i shouldn't have said sushi so much but as live seafood okay no that's that's a reasonable way to put it i'm gonna stick up for all you can eat sushi however as long as it's not the kind where it's just sitting out there for five hours if it's a especially if it's a busy place i've eaten probably hundreds of all-you-can-eat sushi meals in my life especially back when i was like in school and it was an incredible revelation to be able to do that and we would just my buddies and i would go in there and just absolutely clean places out and i would probably eat i think my record was like 55 pieces is the most i've ever eaten in one sitting yeah you're that um, guy you're the reason that they say like you have to finish everything and you can't take any leftovers well no that but i respect that process i've never once messed up uh, that process uh unfortunately wow my wife is is not in that boat the first time we ever went to an all-you-can-eat sushi place together this is in, in the the early days of dunk i just quit the law firm so i was we, we weren't exactly flush so this is what we had to do to eat the quantity of sushi that we wanted to and so we go there and i'm like hey you know like it's a privilege that these places exist you know we don't want to mess up their business model if they don't let you not eat the rice and so on the first order remember you can always order more right right yeah, yeah. the first order she's like she orders a bunch of her food and then she's like i'll have 10 tamago oh i think i might know this one she does love tamago and, and I was like, like, babe, do you, are you sure you really you want to do that? Like, you can always order more. She's like, don't tell me what to order. <laughs> so she she orders ten tamago, and of course, I'm I'm just mortified as four pieces in. She's like trying to pawn them off on everyone else. She's like, I didn't realize that you had to eat the rice and all that. I'm like, yeah, like because you can't just take all of their fish and just you could have like hundreds of if it was just the fish, you could <laughs> eat a ridiculous amount and put them out of business. Like, of course it's they are. I'll let you do that but it's really sad that it was egg and not fish that like got her <laughs> it's like not even the thing I, there's a process at tamago i get it but it's not even the thing that has the highest food cost it was just egg yeah so fortunately i i drew a line in the sand i'm like no i'm not helping you i warned you about this beforehand but for, fortunately my compatriots were more forgiving about it than i was but i that's i was willing to risk potential conflict with my later to be spouse to uphold the sanctity of the all you can eat sushi process <laughs> nice uh, I have a friend who's been dying to bring me to her favorite uh, all-you-can-eat sushi place here, and I'm definitely going to give it a shot. I'm, I'm in. I'm not, like, above it. It's just, it's so much better when you just pay more and get really amazing product. Yeah, I mean, you don't eat as much as I do either, right? I mean, to me, no, like, what percentage, what percentage of your enjoyment from eating food comes from simply feeling full at the end? Uh, very little. Yeah, I would say like probably 25% of my enjoyment comes from just having completed the process and, <laughs> so, and so just 
from be, being sated? Sitting, yeah. Uh, no, being not only satiated. sated, but satiated. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think for me, it's maybe 10% of it is actually like feeling full. It's, it's the enjoyment and, yeah. and, and the I, I mean, just, just psychologically knowing that you didn't deprive yourself, that you gave yourself everything that you could possibly have wanted at that meal i that gives me a lot of pleasure all right yeah i'm in what uh what else you got my next pick for expensive foods that are worth it is really good balsamic vinegar and i hadn't really appreciated how good this was like a really like a 12 year aged balsamic vinegar that actually makes it like the the dop real adheres to whatever the strictures are from modena and we toured a balsamic vinegar production place in modena and tried it and i was like oh this is unbelievable like i have to get some of this and yes is expensive but you can put it on everything i mean it's it's so different than just your normal balsamic vinaigrette type of of stuff although even good versions of that are, are very solid but to where it's just so concentrating and it's aged for 12 years they move it from barrel to barrel the whole process is amazing if you never if you don't know how it's made i suggest looking up like a youtube on it or something but it's really really good and it's just so concentrated so flavorful like the combination of the acidity which isn't as much as in a normal yeah balsamic vinegar that you just have but also the sweetness it's you could throw it on ice cream and it's awesome obviously throwing it on basically anything i've had some tomato yeah, mozzarella great, salad like, fresh yeah. strawberry ice cream with balsamic vinegar that's yeah. like really good or, or put it any, any kind of fruit that you're having in a bowl it turns it into just an unbelievably decadent treat i definitely recommend just having a bottle of that in your house and you know when company comes over and you can really impress them with that and uh, impress your taste buds as well yeah i think um i i don't i, I think it might be worth it and it's very akin to my next choice but I, the the uh appreciation starts to be lost the more ingredients you're adding in like i think it's worth it oh as yeah long as, keep it simple for sure yeah um because i i keep like a five-year age vinegar in uh red uh, balsamic and i think that that's like all i need i don't need the insanely reduced 12 year like you say um but i well i would even put that in there honestly like as as something i mean that's how much how much does it cost for like a bottle of the five year uh well this one i have is probably only like a four ounce bottle it was like forty dollars yeah, so, I mean it's definitely it's expensive. expensive. Like it can be, yeah, like it could be up to like a hundred bucks for a, for a bottle of like the real like twelve year age stuff at least here. Yeah, um, but no, I mean that's one I didn't regret. And I've like you know don't pour the whole bottle on it at one time, right? You know, have it once a month on something, and it'll last you for a year, and you, you'll feel like it's yeah. Worth it. Agreed. I'm in. Um, and that's one that, like, you really can't necessarily uh, apply to dining out in a restaurant because it's not like it's a, a choice. Oh, I will have I will have this item with the 12 year aged balsamic vinegar. No. no, it's just it's in the thing. Yeah. Uh, OK, give me another really expensive food that is worth it. So I- I'm going back. Hamoni uh, Berko. I was yeah. going to go with my condiment choice, but I, I'm going Hamon. It is so worth it. It is the most luxurious pork I feel like you can possibly eat. Um, 
a friend of mine who's traveling in Argentina right now and just got back from Spain, she did have one point that I agree with. Uh, Emily said that people so often cut it improperly and it just totally like destroys mm. it. What, what do they do wrong? Well, I mean, either it's just too thick of a cut or... Uh, yeah. So in the case of um, Iberico, you usually want to actually go with the grain, which is, I believe, counterintuitive to, you know, other butchery. But this is a, you know, years-aged piece of meat, so you're usually going along, like, where the kind of muscle fibers stretch, mm-hmm. like, the same direction. Um yeah. Although I'm not an expert at this, but I do know that often I'll get it, um, and especially when I was in Spain or I don't know, even when I'm just sort of at this, like some butcher shop where they're giving you a sample and you you don't get a good idea of it when it's half an inch thick, but it's just a little nub. You know, there's so many different ways that you can yeah. screw it up. No, you, you need it needs to be cut basically as thinly as possible because it's it's more much more about the taste than the texture. I'm generally a texture guy, but the taste is so good. And it's if you've never seen it before and had the real stuff, it's different, so much different than a lot of kind of hams because of just the fat content. And even when it's sliced thinly, you can just see the fat on top of it like if you pick it up with your fingers your hands are going to come away with yeah. fat on them and it but it for it's a it's not a cooked product it's a dry aged product so no. yeah it's it's really really good that's one uh, ashlyn just that's probably her favorite thing to eat in the whole world we, when we were in spain we had a bunch of that and it was truly truly absolutely ridiculous and you know it doesn't you don't really want to mix it with anything though and i do find that after Maybe probably like 10 bites of it. That's probably enough for me. Like I don't want to have the entire plate all at once. Like I would want to share a plate with maybe three people and that would be enough for me. And if you start mixing it with stuff, then you're, I think you're really losing what makes it so special. But yeah, it's well worth it. Highly recommend getting it when it's on a menu somewhere. If it's the real stuff. I do agree with you about the mixing thing, except for... If it is on a plate, like I'm not saying, I think you should mix it with stuff. I don't think that you necessarily are talking about, oh, I'll have this like, you know, piece of bread and I'll put some cheese and I'll put a barico. Like that's not necessarily what I mean. But having a couturon, like, oh, I'm going to have a Marcona almond before oh, I have my yeah. next okay, bite. Sure. I'll have a corner show on like, um, because it kind of changes the texture and even the flavor in your mouth. And then you go for the next bite and it's a little different than the last one. Um, but I also would not be opposed to just having like baguette with like butter and a bear <laughs> Yes, I would put butter as well. <laughs> you sure you wouldn't want to put mayonnaise on instead? I don't know. So, I haven't tried it yet. Maybe. Class. Okay. No, that, that is certainly one that was well on the list for me. Last thing here. Got a number of things that I can choose from. I'm trying to decide what it is. I know. It's difficult, right? And I, I would say foie gras seared foie mm. gras only however and so no like uh torchon or pate no or torchon any, any form of- is would be on my totally not worth it because to me this it's the sear and the heat getting it a little bit warmer really gets it to the texture that it needs to be on the inside it also gets it, the crispiness on the outside that contrast between the outside and the inside is amazing i think especially when it's cold it just doesn't really seem to activate your taste buds as well pseudoscience alert 
and it's just really you're like spreading it onto some bread it's just it's too close to these other things you can't really appreciate what makes it so good when it's cold and you're spreading it onto something like i just want that hunk of foie on there uh, on whatever it is and that's what really makes it to me um so one of the things about foie gras is that it sometimes is like an add-on you know like you get a dish sure add foie do you always add the foie it depends what it is if it's something that has a sauce on it i'll probably wouldn't if it's you know if it's something that's relatively simple i would right like, i just i don't want it to get lost and overwhelmed one of these burgers like if you're gonna put yeah. it on a burger it's it probably just needs to be just like the bun the foie the burger and then maybe some stuff also you don't want you maybe you would put some of the ingredients on the bottom of the burger and the foie on the top so that it's not they're not running into each other but oh for sure yeah right. so and yeah i don't think though that i get it all the time and if especially if it's at a pretty mediocre place Place, then it's probably not gonna be good like get yeah. only get it at a place that clearly kind of specializes in this well and that is actually part of why i didn't choose foie gras because i i feel i mean you know i'm i'm over the whole force feeding the goose thing no i'm just kidding it's 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 mean it's unethical but uh why i don't is because i think oh this place like doesn't know how to treat this thing properly and they're just kind of throwing it in there as a money grabber and so that's why i don't think it's worth it or it wouldn't it, it didn't make my list because of that reason yeah i think if you you want to stick to something where you don't have the option of not getting where it's an in, it's considered an integral part of the dish rather than hey just throw this on there if you want to if you want to really be decadent go ahead yeah. and throw this on there yeah no i i got you i also had a really unfortunate event with a piece of uh foie gras nigiri on my birthday once and god it was it was really bad it's really bad i mean have you seen these like where they try to do the seared like piece of lobe on top of the rice with the nori wrapped around it it's i, I mean what was was it gastrointestinal or something else that Oh no, I I like couldn't finish the bite. It was it was very oh, it was large. Just bad. It was yeah, it was bad. It, was, it just okay. didn't taste good, and it was like um, structurally made poorly. And uh, you know, we actually kind of sent it back, which I you know like never do. Uh, do I, I send stuff send, back? I, off? I would probably put you in like the fiftieth percentile of sending stuff back. Shit. All right. Because some people are just never going to do it, no matter what. Yeah. Right. Whereas you, your general feeling is that you wouldn't send it back but i think trying to put yourself in the shoes of the restaurant as you've been so many times if it's not good you would like if it really gets to that point where it's like oh man this is just so bad you like want them to know that thinking that they themselves would want it that is actually pretty fair because in this case it it definitely wasn't about like i really wanted that flavor i wanted the foie gras nigiri and it just turned out to be so unbalanced and not delicious at all that i said hey you know i think this thing is uh is is not what it's uh, cracked up to be (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I mean you got to go ankimo monkfish liver at oh. the sushi place anyway uh is that how we're pronouncing it how do you say it i don't know i always thought it was ankimo probably i mean <laughs> if it's japanese you're supposed to not emphasize any part of the syllable i know that that's what you're supposed to do i can't actually execute that however when oh okay it. so but i still think it's like an e sound like ankimo instead of an ankimo i don't know 
Yeah, let's, well, let's, I don't even remember how I said it. Let's not get blasted for pronunciation of Japanese words right now. I mean, you know, we're Americans. It's not. It's one of those Neanderthal, Neanderthal things where mm-hmm. it's like people here say it the way that they're going to say it. Neanderthal is apparently how you're supposed to say it, but you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because you know people was people here say nigiri. I think you're supposed to say like nigiri, right? Like yeah. so, and that's like by not emphasizing any of the any part of the syllable. But people, if you say it like that, people aren't going to know what you're talking about, or they're going to think you're a pretentious asshole for like trying to shit on them for not saying it right. Yes. So it's just easier to say it the gringo way and not even cause that conflict. I call this the the uh, garganaga rule. <laughs> it's a, a, a wine grape. <laughs> anyway, um, I totally agree with you. So, yeah, so uh, what, any any like honorable mentions here at all? Yeah, so olive oil was the one that I was almost going to say uh, after your balsamic. Um, but really, it's it we were, we were kind of getting into more luxury items uh, more so, so I kind of stuck with the theme. Yeah, but I, I've always good enjoyed a good olive, olive oil. I just can't quite, I don't know enough about it. I don't think I have a refined enough palate to really say that I'm enjoying it on the level that it probably should be doing. But well, cer- certainly... There's such a stark difference between the olive oil you find in like the little plastic jars at the grocery store and I mean even five dollars above it like you, there's a huge gradient for olive oil and I oh think yeah it's, yeah it's I mean don't it. that's one where you also don't want to get the shittiest one yeah. right but no. like, like get at least a decent and it depends what you're using if you're just using it for cooking okay but if you're using it for dipping some bread in or as as a dressing when it's one of the few ingredients absolutely or, something like that, or even then, just a finishing yeah. oil or yeah uh, uh yeah that was one of them i would say got? just any kind of handmade pasta mm. well worth it um that is very very true i agree 100 so yeah, we're gonna save the ones we're gonna save the ones that aren't worth it for another show right i think we should because there are definitely yeah, yeah. ones that are not worth it. let's see if i have anything else batarga has come up before on a, a podcast that i really really like a lot yeah. as well um, there's there was some there's some beverage items that I really wanted to mention. Ah, um, it's <laughs> called arguing about food. Stop. Uh, well, vermouth. Vermouth is uh like kind of a hill I may have to die on or not die on at some point, but um because I think people are coming around about vermouth, but uh really like quality vermouth rather than getting your like I don't know Sanzano and Noli Pratt or whatever they're getting a very good vermouth to make your cocktails just changes it dramatically. Um, so people who say you know I don't like Manhattan's or or easy vermouth or what have you, man, you you buy that like in the store twenty five dollar bottle of vermouth and it's making a huge difference because you can get a lot that are eight eight bucks. Um, and then the other one was uh, just going for a tequila that is uh, that like you know to be reputably made um, because so many of them are just kind of uh, very young agave and like caramel color added. You know, I, I don't even want to badmouth any brands, but we all know what they are. Really, really good, well-made tequila is so worth the extra ten bucks a bottle. Like it's just, and it's worth your health in the morning for not having just crazy hangover yeah I, not enjoying alcohol as much as you i don't really have much to weigh in but I, I did enjoy the vermouth in barcelona a lot of people just drink vermouth by itself yeah in barcelona 
how about cheese? We haven't brought up like really good cheese. I know. Well, it's all worth it. But um, I've never actually had crazy expensive cheeses. Well, like, what do you consider one, there's crazy one made expensive? From, there's one made from donkey's milk uh, that I've never had. I, I saw yeah. apparently moose milk cheese. Have you heard of this? Uh, I saw, I've seen it. I saw a little uh, blurb on it. And I've just never had these types of things. I I just can't speak to whether they're worth them, honest, or worth it, because okay. I haven't had it. But, but you think just a normal, you know, a cargo creamery type of cheese, like that's well worth it for you, right? Oh, absolutely. But that's also yeah. not, I mean, it's just, maybe it's just to me. Too ubiquitous? Too plebeian well, for you? Well, I guess if, if, if there are people in the world who believe that $16 for a half a pound of cheese or even a quarter pound of cheese is too much i believe it is not and so it is worth it <laughs> um but you know the the mount tam from cowgirl creamery is like what usually about yeah. like 18 dollars for a i think it's about a half pound yeah yeah it's probably about a half pound yeah, yeah. Like having purchased anyway, that for so you out it. here having purchased that for you out here approximately 20 times i can tell you how much it costs <laughs> yes that, that is well, the it's more expensive here too right now that's why i buy it and, and bring it over <laughs> okay so we got we got some good comments here on listeners submissions of what it is really worth paying for I want to start this one because both of our very good friend, John Wells, had a a really good one that I wouldn't have put in the list, but I think is really important, is uh, farm eggs, where they're, you know, free range and... Oh, yeah. I, we get those now, for yeah. sure. When you get that darker yolk and... No, th- those are really good. You, you, it's, you It's tough to know which ones are going to be really good at the store or whatever, so you kind of have to test and find them, but when you find the, that right brand, you're really, really excited about it. And, yeah. And eggs are so cheap anyway, right? I mean, you know, okay, so you're going to pay 50 cents an egg instead of 20 yeah i'm usually uh nowadays and we don't eat a whole lot of eggs in my house because the husband hates them um but we mostly get our eggs direct from farmers now thankfully galit has allowed me to continue to keep these relationships with their farmers that they had there and uh it's just i mean it's, it's a game changer it's um there's actually flavor. It's not just whipped, I don't know, madness. One of the simple pleasures that I had in Japan for breakfast was just a raw egg. And the, the color of the yolks of the eggs in Japan is just ridiculous. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what they, they do to them, but it was just some a raw egg over rice with some furikake seasoning and it was just yeah. absolutely delicious I, I had it in at the market in kyoto and i was like this i need to be having this for breakfast all the time i think you can arrange that either you or ashlyn could definitely make it um I've, you know, I, even who says who says i haven't been having it no oh, okay fair yeah. <laughs> um even the eggs from uh dad and sandy's farm are just far superior to pretty much anything i can buy here locally um yeah it's 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 evident in the yolks right the deep orange color all right here's one from rolando donnybrook wild salmon so much better than farmed and worth the price okay no um uh i don't even really care about the price i just i don't think it's leaps and bounds better (laughs) 
No, I honestly, and, and this, you know, mark me a plebe here, but I've tried wild salmon many times, particularly when I'm doing one of these low carb things. I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm going to have low carb and treat myself on what the protein is. Yeah, I've not really found it to be worth it. I've found, and maybe I'm just getting the wrong wild salmon. But, you know, even even at a really good place, like a very good grocery store out here in Berkeley, Berkeley Bowl. Yeah, I actually find myself liking farmed salmon better. I find yeah. that it's it's fattier uh, than wild salmon is. And that's what I love so much about salmon. So in my experience, I totally I, I agree. And that kind of sucks because apparently I like the farm stuff, too. But um uh, a balance I found is we used to have uh, this like open stream farm salmon that we used at a restaurant I worked at where like it was farmed. It's in a pen, but um, uh, netting essentially so that the water is still running through their like pen the whole time. So they're still like oh, interesting. Uh, building more muscle and losing more fat because they still have to like do the whole swim upstream situation. But technically, if they wanted to be really lazy, they could just go kind of like hang out against the netting. <laughs> yeah. How how, uh, how Sisyphean for those fish? <laughs> Well, uh, I I I found it to be like a way that I, I I thought it was I guess a little bit more ethical or what have you, um, but still had enough fat content to make me happy. Yeah, no. So so I got I'll I will disagree. I mean, obviously, wild salmon is more expensive. Many people seem to like that, but I I disagree. That's something that I don't necessarily pay a premium for. What else we got? Here? Let's do like two more. Um, I have a very good friend and chef who says uh, Alaskan king crab apparently is the most worth it food. Uh, he also says if anybody disagrees, yeah. fight him. Uh, that's uh, Michael Shaker. <laughs> or, or or maybe just go eat some king crab and get back to him. No, I, I love crab. I like crab better than lobster. I I definitely, it's not something that I crave as much, but I, I could totally see that for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, I actually crave crab more than lobster. Weird. No, no, I agree. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. I think it, it would be worth it. Um, we got a, a number, of, including from Taco Hole, oysters. Yeah, oysters was nearly on my list. Um, and and so we're not, are we saying just oysters in general or paying more well, for the I'm good not. oysters? For sure, I'm, I'm not saying just oysters in general. I mean, first of all, you know, fresh, um, cold water. I am not a huge fan of the Gulf oysters. No, the, the Gulf oyster that you got to eat with a knife and fork, I'll pass on that one thing. I mean, honestly, me too, unless it's fried up, then fine. Oh, yeah, obviously um, that completely changes the game. But no, for sure. And But to me, the type of oysters that I would eat raw, I wouldn't waste frying them or cooking them. It's West Coast oysters is where it's at. The smaller ones, like Kumamoto, Kushi. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Kushi. That, I forgot about them. Yeah. No, I, I think they're well worth it. But it, it uh, again, they kind of just got knocked off the list while we were getting more extravagant. <laughs> but I totally agree. Yeah, because, I mean, it, the ones are so big, the Gulf oysters, that if you try to take them down you're gonna be chewing it for long enough that it's just kind of it can get a little gross i find i need i need to kind of be able to take a couple of bites and really experience the flavor but then be able to bolt it down before yeah they're fine it's just texturally gulf oysters for me they need that cracker that they're coming with (laughs) and you know they never give enough saltines so you're in trouble um yeah, salt, saltines are terrible, by the way. No, man, they're where, a great vehicle. Where is that on the overrated foods? <laughs> okay, let's let's do uh, let's do two more here. Okay. Um, well, I've got uh, the saffron. Saffron was listed a couple times. I feel like. Yeah, it was. How do you feel? <sighs> 
you know, as a saffron risotto I've had, I can't say that I've ever particularly craved it. It doesn't seem like that versatile of a, of a spice, but I, I will also admit that I am not as saffron knowledgeable as uh, people who you know were traveling to the spice islands in the 1500s and you know risking life and limb and circumnavigating the globe just to get this spice i i don't i'm pretty sure people are still risking life and limb just to get this spice unfortunately um yeah you're right it probably does it doesn't have that many applications it's not like paprika or oregano but it is it's versatile it goes in desserts it can be the risotto that you said paella um certainly uh into like hollandaise even like cream sauces there's a lot of uses for it. Um, I think it's worth it because I actually um, know how little of it is needed to flavor a thing. So, yeah. you know, it's whatever. I don't know how much it is these days, but like $55 an ounce or something, whatever. It, it's it's certainly worth it. Um, an ounce of saffron is like that much saffron. It's very tiny. Uh, and it packs such a punch and I think it really can go either savory or sweet. Uh, definitely be accompanied by different herbs. And uh, yeah, definitely worth it. All right, I'll, I'll try to order some more saffron next time I come across it, potentially. Uh, last you should thing uh, here. order roomy saffron, by the way. R-U-M-I. Okay. Well, I'm, a restaurant would never provide needless adjectives about what they're putting on there. How would I know what kind it is? Yeah, fair. Well, it's a Chicago-based company, but they uh, it employs only Afghani women uh, who get to benefit and get paid for the harvesting of the saffron. And uh, it's ubiquitous here, uh, but it is available nationwide. So this is a good one, and I completely agree uh, with this commenter. Instant noodles. This is from Kel of a Man. He says that getting the most expensive instant noodles is so much better than the cheap kind or mm. you know, instant ramen like the best kind of instant yeah. ramen i and i agree with you man like it's still cheap enough that it it doesn't matter but that's one of those things where it's like hey why not get the best one i do like this thought uh except for that i just totally disagree because part of the reason for instant noodles for me is the simplicity the nostalgia of you know just eating them my entire life and um and also feeling like i get to doctor it up in any way that i want to uh, whereas the nicer ones oh they're supposed to you know actually be complete and seasoned properly on their own and have everything that they need i see yeah so you think you think you're better than them you, you think you can squeeze more msg into that packet than they can i i almost told you on the food felonies the weird thing is is i include very little liquid into any of my instant ramen noodles i i strain out almost all of it before i mix in about two-thirds of the packet so it's it's almost like it's just a pasta with a little sauce for me hmm Okay. So if well, you get fancier, now I like don't have the opportunity to do that anymore. And I have to actually follow the instructions that they've given me. <laughs> yeah. Well, for for those of us who aren't cooking every single meal from scratch, it's spend spend the extra dollar or two on a, a better packet for sure. You, you'll be happy that you did. Well, this was fun. Another arguing about food is in the books. Where can people keep up with you, Liv? I don't know anymore. <laughs> at orange live on yeah. twitter it it looks best in orange on instagram we'll 
follow us there. I'm uh, Nate B. Duncan on Instagram, and we'll probably at least show some uh, some of the meals we're going to have when we're in Montana together in about a week or so here. So that'll that'll be exciting. Are we going to do another like Montana themed meal? You think? Or did we yeah, well, I w- yeah, I was hoping to do some trout again specifically. That was awesome last yeah. year. Yeah, what was it? it? Was trout? Eric made buffalo meatballs. Yeah, bison, but buffalo, sure, yeah. Sorry. Um, And yeah, I can't remember what the other one, I have the whole menu written down, but yes, I, I do intend to do a uh, Montana-themed dinner for sure. All right, that's that's very exciting. Montana's pretty good food. All right, well, hopefully you all will have a great food week, and we'll probably be back in a couple of weeks here. Till then. Cheers.